0: Ephesians 5, we're going to be looking at verses 15 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 through 21. Before we get started, let's seek God's blessing on his word. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we can be here this morning, open your word and seek you. Here we are, your people a needy people. Desperately need your spirit to work through your word to teach us, correct us, admonish us, instruct us, and form us into the image of your son. I pray, Father, that you would help us in every way, that you'd be glorified, that we would be sanctified, and bless and praise your name. Have mercy, for we ask it in Christ. Amen. Well, if you don't hear or haven't heard anything I've said before to this point, hear what I'm about to say this morning, because I believe it is the most important thing that you could hear. So far, we're looking at this whole issue of marriage in terms of building a better family. How is it that we, first of all, build a better marriage within our family? And Today, this week is the last week before we move into the whole child-rearing section, where we do five weeks on that. And I really, truly believe that what we're about to hear this morning is is the difference between blessing in your marriage or cursing in your marriage. If you want a marriage that is flourishing and doing well, then peel your ears. If you want a, a marriage that's not so good and is full of decay, then close your ears. This truly is that important, and I and I'm excited about it because here what we'll find out is that God is showing us how it is we walk and live. In Ephesians chapter 5, this is a classic chapter that you turn to if you want to find out about marriage because in verse 22 and following, he shows what marriage is to look like and what is to be like and the roles and the functions within marriage. But you know what's even more powerful than that is understanding what's said just prior to, which sets up the context and really reveals to us the power that we have to even apply that. Because if you jump into Ephesians 5, and following, you can find yourself completely overwhelmed by what it is that God has called us to and think, man, I don't like to read that because every time I do I realize how much of a failure I am and mess things up. In Dana Adam sapiros interview of divorced couples... It is clear that selfishness was the heart of what led to marital disintegration. And obviously that is manifested in in all kinds of different ways. Each spouse's self-centeredness asserted itself, as it always will. But in response, the other spouse gets more impatient, resentful, harsh, and cold. So selfishness hurts and then leads to selfishness in response. And the only way it can be stopped is if we can learn how to deal with the selfishness. Yeah, (laughs) big task. However, there's good news. And the good news is that Jesus has come to do something to affect us in a a very powerful way that we're going to see here this morning. Here in this chapter 5 we find out that, especially in 15 uh, verse 20, the most important thing, and it's this. He says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This particular section is, is come just after a section that he describes talks about them not walking in the darkness, but according to light. He just finished telling them that they're to put off this stuff, put off these deeds. And no, common Pauline vernacular, it's put off the flesh. He loves to use that term. Put off the flesh with the deeds. Actually, in that section, he doesn't use flesh like that. He talks about darkness and light. He's almost using a John Metaphor to describe it. Put off the darkness, walk according to light. And he actually has something pretty harsh to say. uh, Or sobering, I should say. Probably better to say sobering. He says in verse 6, just prior to that, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, actually what things is he referring to? He just finishes in verse 5 talking about them. Uh, Sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness. Uh, He says, those who practice these things, if you back up, uh, he he says that for you may be sure of this, that everyone in verse 5, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And he says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, what's Paul doing there? He's warning them. He's throwing out a warning. He's like, I don't know know what people might have told you or what they will tell you, but I want you to know something. That don't think that if people practice these things, live in them, walk this way, that they will in any way inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is what he's not saying. He's not saying that if you do these things, that if you sin, you're going to hell. As a Christian. That's not what he's saying. He's there are people out there teaching that if you doesn't really matter what you say, what you do, what you think, it's, irre- it, it, it's irrelevant. All that matters is that you believe. Now, what Paul is trying to help them understand, and he tells them previously in this whole book, is that you've got to understand something. Yes, it doesn't matter what you say, what you do, what you think. It doesn't matter what you've done. And for you to be accepted before God in Christ... There's nothing you can do, absolutely nothing. and You sin, but God accepts you in Christ. Now, it doesn't end there because Jesus does something. This grace is efficacious and powerful. Jesus does something. And so, as a result, knowing that Jesus changes the person, he resurrects him from the dead, as he says in chapter 2 of Ephesians, we're to live this newness of life in the power of the Spirit. And so he's warning them to, to, to think that, don't think that God's grace is, is such that, you, you know, it, it doesn't do anything. It does. You are children of light, he says, therefore walk in light. But now he gets, he gets into this section as a result of this. He says in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You know, this is, he wants them, he doesn't want them to be fooled into thinking that, you know, this Christian life and how we live, uh, it really doesn't matter. I struggle, I find myself in all kinds of temptation, I find myself failing, and I I really don't know how it is I'm to walk and live in this world because it's such a struggle. But he tells them to be wise and not unwise, don't be foolish and redeem the time, and he gives some really practical things to do. What Paul is doing here is helping them to understand that you have got to be wise given the age and given, given the, the situation you're in. And what is this wisdom? This wisdom from God is the wisdom to know what it is you need to do. What do you do to live the Christian life in the power of the Spirit? Well, you've got to put off the deeds of darkness. You've got to cut off the flesh with its passions. I liken this to cutting off the supply of junk food. Here's what I mean. You know, the hardest thing for me is to stop snacking. Late at night, you will find me, where do I wander? I wander towards the pantry and then to the fridge and back to the pantry. And I've got the munchies. And I start looking, you know, and I love bread. I love cookies, I love uh, s- snacks, of almost any kind, chips, I love crackers, I-, I like that stuff. And if it's there, and I open it up, and I look, I go for it. <laughs> because, I don't know, I, I like that stuff, and it's- there it is before me. And you know, the thing is, if I'm to eat healthy, do you know the number one thing I must do? I must cut off the supply of junk food. If that's not in there, if I look around and the chips and the cookies and the, and the, the snacks and the crackers and all, if that stuff's not there, I'm not going to jump in my vehicle and go get it. I'm going to look for something else. And so, it not being there is the biggest thing that could ever, we could ever do and be wise in terms of eating healthy. You know, so many people talk about losing weight and you just go, go and be getting a healthier diet. Well, let's just walk through your pantry. Let's look what you have in your pantry. Let's look in your fridge. Let's, oh, are you serious? Are you kidding me? No, no, no. You don't want to. You kind of want to. But you would you would rather have... Which you'd rather tell yourself you want to and then have your snacks too. And what that's called is not being wise, but rather unwise. As Paul says here... Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be a fool. Be wise. And if you're going to be wise and you want to do well, you've got to cut off the supply of junk food. And what that means in our lives, is, especially when it comes to our flesh, cut off the supply lines to our flesh. That are tempting us. You know, many of us, and I've said this often, I'll keep on repeating it, we have to look at how we spend our times and the, and the avenues through which temptation comes. We live in a crazy age, don't we? I mean, you have so many supply lines of junk food, it isn't even funny. You've got your phone, which can take you anywhere, you've got your iPad and your computer you 've got TV you 've got input lanes everywhere and and there is no way you are fooling yourself if you think you are going to walk in any upright way before God and walk according to light, not according to darkness, walk according to spirit, not according to the flesh. If you tell yourself that you 'll be okay next time and you leave the supply lines there you 've got to cut them off. you have got to be diligent about getting rid of. Of the things that tempt you. In many cases, you know, high, high accountability. There's blockers out there because, you, you know, people say, well, what are you telling me? I can't use the computer or my phone now? I'm not saying that at all. What I am telling you is that you have got to be careful with that stuff. Because once you start eating the junk food, it's going to make you sick. And in some cases, if you can't get off it, you're going to die. In this particular time, you know, Paul says this. This is what he says: um, Make the best use of the time because the days are evil. And he had no clue about cell phones. He had no clue about the internet. Talk about the days being evil and our supply lines being available. He's telling them to make the best use of their time in a world where that didn't even exist because the days are evil. I need to walk as wise and not as unwise. You know, in our particular day, we have got so many channels that need to be guarded and protected against. And we're deceived and we're foolish if we think that we're strong enough to resist. I got, I got a, I've got a news alert. I don't care who the person is on this planet. I don't care how holy or righteous you think they are they cannot stand against the flesh if they provide portals through which they can be tempted and fed they can't have you ever had your flesh aroused <laughs> cranked up the desires within it i don't care who you are you're you can't just say no you're not gonna you, the flesh is weak, and the flesh has passions and desires. And until that's taken care of, there's no way you're going to walk according to the Spirit. It's impossible. You can't. You'll walk according to your flesh. I could sit here and give you an analogy and example after example of my own personal life where I continually failed because I was a stupid fool and I put things in my path and in my way that were causing me to be tempted. And I didn't, I wanted to do what is right, but at the same time, I kind of liked that stuff. And when you like that stuff and it's like you try to make provision for it. I won't do it next time. I'll just, you know, but why didn't you get rid of it? Why didn't you why not you block that somehow? Well, because I'm I'm not going to do it next time. Fool. I did it next time. So we have to be careful to cut off the supply lines, to cut off the flow of junk food. If it's in the pantry, if it's in the refrigerator, it's far too close. You've got to get it out of there. But here's the most important thing. This is what you really got to hear next, what Paul goes on to say. We need to understand what we're to positively do with our time. As the text says in verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And this one I title this way. Fill your cupboards with goodness. And the reason I do is, is, you'll see, is for a reason. He says here that do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. That's a little bit of a clunky translation. It's difficult because when you look at the original, it is a little bit clunky. But what he's getting at here is it's like it's, it's a parallelism. Do not, get, do not be filled with wine, which then leads to debauched living, but instead be filled with the Spirit, which will lead to righteous living. He's creating this contrast. And we, if you've ever been drunk or seen someone who's drunk, you will know it doesn't lead to righteous living. Being filled with alcohol so it controls you, it, it loosens the mouth, it loosens inhibitions, and it makes things permissible and acceptable that otherwise wouldn't have been. And so what ends up happening is the alcohol ends up taking over, and the fruit of that is not good. But he said, but instead, don't do that, instead, be filled with the Spirit, which leads to righteousness. What's interesting about this verb, be filled, it, it, it's a, a present, imperative, passive verb. I think, what is, okay, what does that mean? What well, means this? The fact that it's present, the action means the action is to be done now, in the present continuously, in the now. Because it's imperative, the action is not an option. It's a command. It's something that you do, but it's weird. He's commanding you to be filled actively now, and it's passive, which means, this is the weird thing, you don't do it. Uh, You're the recipient of it. So be filled. Passive means that you receive it. So it's similar, actually, to alcohol, where... What alcohol does, you can do one thing. You can put alcohol in your mouth. So you actively can put it in your mouth and you swallow it. But then its effects, it's, you become pretty passive. Once you put it in there, after you put it in there, you become passive because it starts doing its own thing. And if you become inebriated, you'll find out that all of a sudden it has control and you're in the way you go with it. And so... With the Spirit, he's saying the same thing. It's something that you must do and must do continually. And when you do it, you receive. The Spirit actually is the one who takes control. So here's the question. How are we to be actively filled by the Spirit or with the Spirit? And to answer that, it's hard to tell what Paul is doing here next. It's hard to know whether or not he's saying this is what happens when you are filled Or this is actually how a person is filled. If you look at what he says next, he says, Right after being filled with the Spirit, comma, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always and for for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So he goes on right after he says, Be filled with the Spirit, state what he does just there. Singing, giving thanks, and submitting. Now, this is why it's somewhat hard to tell exactly what Paul is doing here, because t- it's not his typical fashion. What Paul normally does is he tells us to, to you walk by the Spirit by setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. We had read for us this morning, in Romans chapter 8, where he says that. He walks according to the Spirit, sets his mind on the things of the Spirit. He who walks according to the flesh, sets his mind on the things of the flesh. In Romans 12, he says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Colossians 3, we're to set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth. In Philippians chapter 4, we're to exhorted to think about whatever is good, pure, true, right, and noble, and so forth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is Paul's normal way of talking about how it is that we walk according to the spirit. He normally will tell you to set your mind on the things of the spirit. And therefore and as you do that, you will be filled with the spirit and walk according to the spirit. But what does he do here? He doesn't say that. He he just he, he's instead of Speaking in a theoretical way, he talks in a very practical way of just some things to do. He says, address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for everything that God gives you and submitting to one another. Now, we don't know exactly whether or not this is the fruit or the root. Is this what we do to be filled with the Spirit, or is this what we do when we are filled with the Spirit? I think the answer to that is is somewhat both. (laughs) Because... If you think about setting your mind on things above, if you think about setting your mind on the things of the spirit, if you think about that, well, when you sing and make a melody in your heart to the Lord, they're not just you're not humming a, a melody, you are actually singing words, and those words are very God centered, God focused things above, not things of this earth. They're things of the spirit. So you you can sing and not set your mind on them, that's possible but when you're making melody in your heart to the Lord, that's not possible. You can't be singing these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another, making melody from your heart to the Lord and not have your mind set on them. So I think it's a very interesting dynamic here where it's both and. This is both what you do to be filled with the Spirit and also what happens when you are filled with the Spirit. Because you could probably tell me I know from personal experience that when I'm singing and making melody in my heart to the Lord, my mind is fixed on things above, and it affects me, it strengthens me, it fills me, it does something to me. I also know that if I'm giving thanks for everything, going through what I have to do, this is what I have to do, is realize that I'm in this world, God placed me in this world, he's working all things out according to the counsel of his will in this world, And I give thanks for everything, knowing it's from his hand. And if you've ever actively been a person who gives thanks, sometimes, I've tried this, I'm going to experiment. I'm just going to go around, I'm going to have thanks for everything. It begins to affect you and change your perspective and change you. So it isn't just something that you do because you're filled with the Spirit, which you would, it's actually something you do begins to fill you with the Spirit. And you find yourself being changed because you're giving thanks in all things. Now, it gets a little difficult when someone cuts you off and you say, oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) You're really filled with the Spirit when you do that. (laughs) But I think that we have to understand that this is probably the most important thing we could ever do. Because when we get to this point, when when we start to see that we are called, what we're called to be and to do in our lives we realize that we need something that we don't have, but God has plenty of. Strength, power. And I want to exhort you guys with something this morning, because here's something that we often need to be mindful of that we're not, and it's this. It's not the bad things, but the neutral things. And here's what I mean by that. When we have we think of things in our lives. We think of the junk food that I was talking about coming in. And we think of that in terms of sin. That becomes obvious. We might be able to go, you know what? I don't really have anything. There's no really big issues. and uh, there's, I don't put myself before any, anything sinful. But perhaps what you do is you, you fill your time up with those things that we think are neutral. And I think in so many ways, this is the greatest tactic of the enemy on Christians. Is because we fill our time up with the things that aren't necessarily sinful and evil, but they're just really, they do not strengthen the inward man. They do not fill us with the Spirit. They don't strengthen us. And it can just be innocuous things like, well, I work, I come home, we watch TV, I do some Facebook, I play some games, I do this. I do. Just, they're, thing, they're just, it's just stuff. And if you and if if you look at it you're going, you know, I don't see anything wrong with any of that stuff. Well, there's on the surface of it it's not. But you know what it isn't doing? It's not redeeming the time because the days are evil so that you're actively doing stuff that fills you up. You think of the time that you have or that you use doing just neutral stuff. And I guarantee you but that—that that is one of the things that cause you to go numb, go neutral, go complacent, go indifferent. And then just kind of go through life, not having the strength, not having the vitality you need to live as you ought to live. And in your marriage, the very thing that causes it to go vanilla, bland, dull, just whatever. The enemy has won. He has neutralized you. Because... You're even hearing the sermon, and you're going, you know, there's nothing really, I'm hearing that, like, there's nothing really serious I need to get rid of. Well, think of the things that don't positively strengthen the inward man, don't build you up, don't fill you with the spirit. And those things can be sometimes more dangerous because we can't see it. You know, we need to look at our schedule and seriously think about, you know, not just... (laughs) Read a couple chapters, say my prayers before bed and meal, and before I start my day, and away we go. And I'm doing my devotions, but rather see ourselves as people who pray continuously, learn to give thanks in everything, people who are singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, praising Him, delighting in Him. I guarantee you, that if you start filling yourself up, your thoughts up, your heart up, your mind up with thoughts about who God is, what he's done for you, what he's like. If you start singing to him, praising him, if you start giving him thanks for all things. If you live your life like that, seeking the things that are above, setting your mind on things that are above. This is what I'll guarantee you. You will be filled up. You will be filled up with the spirit. Filled with the spirit. And the more you do it, the more you're filled. Bad news. I don't care how much you were filled up yesterday, it's like yesterday's meal. It doesn't carry over to today. Shucks. And I've it doesn't matter how godly of a Christian you are, if you've been serving the Lord for 50 years and and you know, and you you've just been. Just going steady. There is not a person who's exempt in all of the world. If they give access to the flesh, and if they are not being filled up in the spirit, I'll guarantee you that person's headed for a fall. Because you don't get exemption cards. It's not something that you do did one day and it it remains forever. We have to, it's it's the present, active. Passive voice and verb here where it's continuous all the time. You have to be filled and continue to be filled and always be filling. Because yesterday's meal is gone. And you need another one today. Your souls are hungry and you need to be filled up with the Lord on a continual basis. And I can't overstate the importance of this. Cutting off the junk food, filling your cupboards with goodness... You'll be one healthy Christian, but you're healthy because you're walking in the power of the Spirit. Not because you're you're somehow great. You're not. God is great, working in you and through you. And by his power, what comes out. And this is what's beautiful. If you're walking in the fullness of the Spirit, do you think that's going to affect your marriage? (laughs) Of course it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, the results will be absolutely impressive. If we are filled with the Spirit and giving no opportunity for the flesh, we will find that as Paul exhorts husbands and wives in chapter 22 and following to do what they do, that you're actually able to do that. Because you go there, if you are not cutting off the supply of junk food, filling your cupboards with goodness, you you turn to verse 22. And look at what it says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Impossible. Except by the grace of God and a spirit working powerfully in you. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Impossible. Unless you're walking in the fullness and the power of the Spirit. In our flesh, we are not able to submit like He calls us. We are not able to love as we're called to love. In our flesh, we want our wills to be done. Me, my needs, take care of me, bless me, serve me. I have needs, don't you realize? And I can't even imagine sacrificing my needs to serve yours. That's what the flesh is like all day long. But if you, as you cut off the supply to the flesh and you're filled with the Spirit, you know what happens? The fruit of the Spirit comes out. So when you are filled with the Spirit, what's the fruit of that? Well, we all know, we took it in Sunday school class, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control. You know what our tendency is to do? You look at your marriage and how you're treating one another. You, look at, you see your marriage and wonder, wives, how are you? Are you submitting to your husbands, respecting and honoring their, their leadership in the home? And you're like, uh, no. No. That's the honest answer. Husbands, are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church, completely sacrificing yourself and giving yourself for her? No. No, no, no. Why? It's because you're not walking in the fullness of the Spirit. But you know what our tendency to do is? If you hear something about what it is you're to do, you know what you're going to be tempted to do? Man, I am so impatient with My spouse. I need to be patient. I need to work on patience. How many have ever worked on patience? Yeah. Hopefully everybody has because you realize how impatient you are. Man, do I, need, I, need, I need to really buck up with patience. Man, I'm, I'm so impatient. Okay, let's go to the patient seminar because I need to learn how to be patient. And you go, and they give you a couple tricks and tips, and you try them out, and, you know, it's kind of working a little bit, kind of. And then you fall off the wagon, and this that was just no good but let me let me tell you something you can be patient but not in your flesh the only way is if you if you do not feed your flesh and you are filled with the spirit don't don't force yourself or try to be patient the spirit working in you, it's a passive receiving. You receive his power, he fills you up. And then you find, you'll be going, wow, I can't believe. So much more patient. It's actually loving, it was, it was more kind. And start, what is this all about? That's God working in you and through you. Remember hearing once this guy who was asked, he was a champion, he had championship dog fighting dogs, and he asked about these two dogs that were champions. He says, who do you think would win if these two dogs fought, he said, the one I fed the most. I could say the best. It's so true, even in our own lives. Who do you think wins out in people's lives and people's marriages? Is it the flesh or the spirit? Well, it depends. Do you feed your flesh? Do you give opportunity for your flesh? Or do you, you feed the spirit? Are you filled with the spirit? And so understanding that, it really comes down to this. This is the fruitfulness that comes. You want a beautiful, glorious marriage? It's not about willpower and hard work. It's about the Spirit of God working in and through you. It's about you cutting off the channels of junk food that come to your flesh, filling your cupboards with goodness, and you find, wow, I'm healthy. Oh, my marriage is healthy. My marriage is good. I see blessings start to abound. Why is that? Because... You're walking according to the spirit. And the fruit of the spirit is coming out. But don't get proud. Don't get thinking it's you. Don't get cocky or think I've got this figured out. You don't. Give a little bit of feed the flesh a little bit. Don't be filled up with the spirit so much. And you'll find yourself tomorrow in a completely different place. This isn't something that you do today and then you're good for the rest of your life. No, it's something that you have to... It's a way of living. You really have to cut off all the supplies to your flesh, all the supply of that junk food. you got to stock your cupboards full of goodness, filled up with the Spirit. And the results will be impressive. You'll be shocked at what God does in your marriage. And I'm saying this is the most important thing you could understand. Understand the weakness of your flesh and understand the power of God working in you. And understand this as well. If you think that you could just say it's a, it's just a matter of you go home today, oh Lord, fill me with your spirit. And you say, Well, I asked him and he didn't. You're not understanding. It's not how you're filled with the spirit. You're filled with the Spirit by constantly, continuously, throughout the day, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit, singing to the Lord and making melody in your heart to Him, giving thanks in all things, in all ways, setting your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. If you work at, and that's the work that you do, is just delighting in God. Rejoicing in Him, thinking about Him and who He is and what He's done and how He's done it for you. The more you meditate and think and dwell on Him and His glory, His power, His goodness and who He is. There's a transformative effect in your life. One other last warning I want to say. Don't treat devotional life reading and praying as some checklist that you check off. I've said this before. It ends up becoming mechanical. You're wondering why you're flat. You're wondering why you're dead. Is because you're not seeking the Lord. The Word is there for you to go and know Him, learn of Him, seek Him. Prayer is where we go delight in Him and seek Him. Pray to Him. Lift our requests and burdens to Him. It's about a relationship with God and delighting in Him and pursuing Him. And if we ever get into the mode of just mechanically flipping it out and checking off the boxes and doing it, we will go flat and we will go dead. And we'll find out, we can't figure out why we're walking in the flesh. Because he's a real person that you must seek, spend time with, delight in, rejoice in, give thanks to, praise him, delight in him, and let him fill you up. And as he does, you'll be amazed at the results. Amen. Father, we're so thankful and grateful that we have Christ Jesus and in him we have life. I thank you, Father, that you just didn't forgive us our sins, but you, you sent your spirit to indwell us and empower us so that we might walk in your ways and be submissive to the spirit and walk according to the spirit. Father, I, I thank you so much for what you've done in Christ by the spirit. And I ask that you would have mercy on all of us And that we would have a passion and desire to seek you, delight in you, pursue you, set our mind on the things of you, and that you would fill us up with your spirit, and that we would walk according to the spirit. Christ we pray, amen.